Well, it's uh, kind of strange to be down here. I uh, hope, hope that that doesn't uh, mess anybody else up. Uh, maybe it'll just be me. But um, I uh, made a mistake this afternoon. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I thought it'd be a good idea after I kind of had things solidified uh, for tonight to go online and see what uh, Charles Spurgeon had to say about this passage. And uh, if y'all don't know who he is, he's, he was a very famous, very good preacher in England. And uh, so I, I made that mistake to read his sermon on this passage. And uh, so I'm sorry, y'all are going to have to make do tonight. <laughs> but, um, uh, and I know Josh just prayed, and we've already prayed a couple times, but I feel like I need to pray. So uh, would y'all please bow, and, and let's pray together. Father... How can we be right with you? How can we keep our way pure? And your word is clear that it is by guarding our hearts with your word. Lord, with our hearts we seek you. Don't let us wander away from what you have said. Lord, help us to store up your word in our hearts so that we might not sin against you. Lord, you are worthy to be praised. Teach us everything that you've commanded to us. And with our lips, we will declare all of the rules of your mouth, the things that you've given us to do. Lord, and in the way of your testimonies, we will delight as much as in all riches. Lord, tonight we will meditate on your ways. We will fix our eyes on your paths, and we will delight in your word. And we ask that you would bless that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, If you would please turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, I know that y'all have been hearing this passage a lot lately, but I I think it's important for us to start again at verse 10. And I'm going to read from verse 10 through... uh, I'm going to stop right in the middle of verse 18. So... Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you, may be, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your, your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. This is God's Word to us. The Bible is one book, and uh, we sometimes there's a danger whenever we, um, whenever we're listening to preaching Sunday uh, Sunday morning in and out. Uh, I think it's a very good practice that our church has, that Josh has, of taking 
a, a Bible text and, and going through it and teaching us what it means. But sometimes we can lose the forest for the trees. Um, and uh, so it's helpful for us to be reminded and to remember that the Bible is one book with one story proclaiming one message. And it happens to be that we were born into this story kind of late in the game, kind of late in the story. We were born ultimately into the middle of a war. Now, this war has already been won. It was won 2,000 years ago, whenever our Savior burst out from the grave, holding the keys to death in Hades. But even though the central command of the evil forces has been taken out, there are still evil forces around us in this world. You do not have to go far to see the work that they're, that they're doing. And more than that, um, there is also so much evil at work in our own hearts. We've already seen the armor of God. It's provided us, uh, it's provided us protection for this fight. But what about weapons? Uh, some of you may not have thought about it, but the only weapon that's listed in this passage is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So the big question for tonight that I want, I want to address is how does God's Word help us to stand firm in the battle? And I'm going to be talking about two major points. The first is the power of God's Word. And the second is how to wield God's Word. Since it's a sword, I think it's okay to talk about wielding it. Starting off with the power of God's word. Uh, I just for for a minute, I just want to uh, draw your attention to the massive cosmic power, cosmic force that is the word of God. And sometimes it's it's easy for us to forget, but we we know deep down that words have power, even our words. And you may remember the popular saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. But if you've ever been uh, the recipient of a, uh, of a harsh word or a cruel jab with words, you know that's not true. Words have power. People are betrayed. Marriages end. Wars start. And that's all due to the power of the human word. And in general, the more powerful the person the more powerful the word. I think we can say that as a general principle. It can't be true 100% of the time, but in general, say, for instance, an example, if Barack Obama were to say, uh, I want to go to war against this country, X country, um, that would probably carry a little bit more weight than if one of us were to say, well, we should go to war with this, with this country. And, um, and so words have power and the people that say these words matter. And if that's true for human beings, think about how much more true it is for the creator of the universe. Jeremiah 23, 28 says, and this is God speaking, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. God's word can destroy. Not only that, God's word 
uh, can give life. Think about creation. It's by the word of God's power that light came into being, that the universe sprang up into being, that human, humanity was created, that animals were created, everything was created. That's all by the power of God's word. And that same power that allowed Jesus, uh, it's this same power that God used in creation. It's that same power that Jesus used to speak into a tomb of a dead man and said, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man obeyed. That's power. When God speaks, chaos becomes order. Death gives way to life. And so, God's word's powerful. Now think about the fact that this is God's word. This book that I'm, that I'm holding in my hand that was printed, I don't know, maybe in China, uh, I, contains the very words of God. If you, if you just were to think about that for very long, it's, it's, it's kind of staggering that the same word that created the universe is the word that's, that I'm holding in my hand, and it's the word that exists on probably all of our shelves at home. We probably all have at least two or three Bibles laying around. Um, God's word is powerful, uh, but if it's sitting on the shelf just gathering dust, um, what good is it to us in the fight? Ultimately, if we've put on every piece of armor and yet we leave the house without our sword, how long can we last in the battle? So, I'm going to talk now about how to wield God's Word as a sword. And um, why, why, why would we want to use God's Word as a sword? Remember, we're in a war. Uh, we are in a war not against flesh and blood. We're not beating people over the head with our Bibles. We are at war against spiritual forces and war against sin in our lives. And Paul writes that we wield the sword of the Spirit in prayer. Let's look back at Ephesians 6, um, 6.18. He says, well, he says, first, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit. These are two simultaneous activities. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So, the Bible, God's Word, is supposed to be used in tandem with prayer at all times. And prayer ultimately is an acknowledgement that we are insufficient for the task of battle. We do not have a hope of saying any of our own words that can make a difference. I'm reminded of, uh, of the, the men that tried to cast out the demons in Jesus' name, but they didn't believe in Jesus. And... Uh, and then the demons said, well, we've, we've heard of Jesus and we've heard of Paul that you spoke of, but we don't know who you are. And then the demons beat him up. Uh, ultimately, the word of God is powerful. Our own word does not carry any power. So we need to pray, acknowledging our dependence on God. Um, now I want to draw your attention to an example. Examples always help me. I uh, hope they're helpful for you. So uh, if you would please turn to Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to look at someone who used God's word as a sword against temptation. This is our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Beginning beginning in verse 1 of Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter, that's Satan, came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is an astounding passage uh, for, for a couple of reasons. Uh, well, probably for a lot of reasons, but I'm only going to mention a couple. Um, Jesus is said several times in Scripture is known as God's Word. As, uh, read John 1, he's known as the Word of God. And uh, as such, as God, uh, he inspired this whole book to be written. Yet, we have the author of these words using not his own words in the moment, but the words of Scripture that were already written down in the Law and the Prophets against Satan in temptation. Uh, now think, think about this. Uh, if Jesus thought it was necessary to, uh, to use the Scriptures in temptation, uh, I don't think we get a free pass. So uh, from, from this, I want to draw a couple of applications, three to be exact. First of all, in order for us to be ready for temptation, we need to, you guessed it, read Scripture. Read it a lot. Commit yourself to it. Intake Scripture all the time. Psalm 1, 1 through 2 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And this just, so this reading of Scripture is not just a, uh, you know, just kind of a once over casual activity. This is deep reading. Um, I can't imagine that Jesus ever really casually opened up a scroll and, and just read on his, uh, on, a, on his drive to work. Um, not that reading or listening to the Bible on the way to work is bad, but, but we need to commit ourselves to a deep understanding of the Scriptures. So we need to read the Scriptures. We need to memorize the Scriptures. Notice the specificity of Jesus' rebukes to, state, to Satan. Jesus has studied these Scriptures in depth. He knows them. He's committed them to memory. In the midst of temptation, what Scriptures will you reference? Um, say uh, you're tempted to, toward envy. Uh, are you going to bring out John 3.16? I mean, that might be helpful. That might be helpful. 
but ultimately, do you think that uh, that would be the most helpful scripture if you're tempted to be envious of someone else's possessions or if you're tempted toward lust or greed? Uh, I think we need to have more in our spiritual arsenal than John 3.16 and Romans 3.23. When you're in the midst of temptation, we need to have a quiver full of verses that we can use to, com- to combat temptation. Uh, third, third application. First, read Scripture, memorize Scripture, pray Scripture. Um, notice that for uh, the 40 days leading up to the temptation, Jesus was praying. Um, now, it's hard for me to imagine praying for a couple of hours um, but Jesus prayed for 40 days and didn't eat and didn't, uh, I don't know if he drank, but, um, and we have good evidence to show that Jesus prayed the scriptures. Uh, he prayed some scriptures while he was on the cross. Uh, we should be using the scriptures in our prayers to drive our prayers. My prayer before the sermon was, uh, was a prayer through Psalm 119 verses 9 through 16. Um, I found it very helpful in my own personal prayer life to go through the Psalms, just use them, just kind of read them, and go from there, kind of put them in my own words. It's very helpful, very helpful, and it helps in that meditation, Scripture meditation process, and helps with memorization as well. So read Scripture, memorize Scripture, pray Scripture. And remember, out of all the people on the planet, Jesus was the only qualified person to speak to Satan as himself and rebuke Satan from within his own power, but yet he drew from the scriptures that were written down to combat the evil one. And can we all agree that if Jesus read, memorized, and prayed scripture, that we should as well? God has given us armor in order, for us to, in order for us to withstand the enemy in this war. But ultimately, we are only foot soldiers. We've been instructed to fight sin in our lives and advance the light of the gospel across this planet against unseen evil forces. But we can't put an end to all this evil. As much as we try, if we were to work 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year for the rest of our lives, we can't extinguish this darkness within us or outside of us. But we are told that one day our great general will appear to put an end to the strife we experience right now. In Revelation, John tells us a little bit about what that looks like. Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. John says in verse 12, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. 
His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and in his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Right now, as we get up every day and go about our business, we are to put on our armor and we are to take up our swords. But the day is coming when Jesus returns and the words that are coming out of his mouth will be like a two-edged sword. And with them he will judge the nations and he will put everything to rights. And in that day, we can put down our swords. But until then, let's commit to a lifetime pursuit of the word of God. It reveals and rebukes evil. It speaks truth in a world plagued with lies and it offers healing and salvation to us who desperately need it. So wherever you go, whatever you do, please don't forget to take up your sword. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. Lord, you have not left us to ourselves, Lord, but you have provided the Holy Spirit who comes to us through your word, guides us, directs us, and gives us peace, gives us words to say. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be a people of the word, that we'll read it, pray it, memorize it, and that we would use it to advance your gospel in this community, in our lives, around the world. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.